With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Before we start, don't forget to hit subscribe um, and follow the podcast. It kind of keeps the podcast going and I really appreciate it. Um, been on a roll. We're at 82 episodes now, which is mad to think that we've been doing this for this long. Um, and we're just going to keep going. So this week on the podcast, the one and only Yousef. Uh, Yousef doesn't really need much of an introduction, but he is the man behind Circus, um, the formidable night club night based out of liverpool and kind of tours that around as well um also circus recordings had some insane records out on that record label uh brought some new artists through as well it's just it's just a lovely guy um really important person in the scene um without further ado yousef yousef what's cooking man Oh, my brain. <laughs> it's, obviously, it's, it's always being boiled. <laughs> to be honest. How's things? How's things with you? Yeah, it's it's crazy always because mm. I do so many things and with children and the label and the events and shindig and circus and moving house and this. Honestly, man, from one second to the next, it's it always in the red. But I try to stay pretty chilled. What yeah, about you, man. Will? How are you, man? I'm really good, man. I'm really good. I'm um, just back in the UK at the moment and it's like raining. And this sounds really stupid, but I really like it. And I love it. I'm so happy that it's like, because it's been beautiful weather like the last couple of weeks since I've been back. And it's like the first day where I could wear a beanie and I'm like, yeah, this is proper England. This is what I come back for. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, I... Once I finish this, I'm going to go out for a long, a long run, rain or shine. Mm. Yeah, it's, you know? it's nice. Something, something nice about it. It's, it's been like, I don't know about you, but obviously in the in the summer I was in the states and it was just relentlessly hot everywhere I went. And I know it's a terrible thing to complain about, but it's just like forty degree heat, and you're like, what the hell is this? This is like humans shouldn't be in this in this type of weather. <laughs> so it's it's nice hard to... work, and it's getting worse, isn't it? I think that's I why know. the UK is becoming more and more popular. <laughs> right, I know it's great. Yeah. It's great. How's uh, how's Liverpool? You live in Liverpool, right? Uh, well, I did until about two years ago. Okay, uh, I, I lived in London for years in Ibiza, then I come back to Liverpool for a couple of years. But yeah. now I live in the in the countryside, I guess, nearest places, North Wales. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, the village I live in, it's like 400 years old. Oh, amazing, man. What's and it's it? like, there's no shops, there's no bars, and restaurants with nothing at all. We've, we've got a bus stop that you can, it's like a library. Yeah. And, and it's called the book stop. <laughs> and and, and that's, the, that's the highlight of the, of the village. That's it. Yeah, I live in exactly the same type of situation where it's just like in the middle of nowhere. No, no neighbours, like nothing. And it's... Oh, really? It's perfect, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know, there's something about the countryside that is just like, I don't know, it, we're always in cities, right? Every weekend, we're kind of yeah, exactly. all around traveling and always around people and something about coming to the countryside 
when all the touring's done is just like relaxing. Yeah, shut off. How do the yeah. how do the kids find it? Do they enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's so mellow, and mm. the, you know, the, they they go to school in in, in Chester now. Yeah. So they drive half an hour into Chester twice a day, mm. um, and they're cool in there. But where where I live, um, it's just it's just mellow. Yeah. It's just really you know, like I say, you you might see. You know what? The the crime rate is going through the roof though. Really? Yeah. The, the, a couple of months ago, it was quite bad. Someone was going around putting their finger top fingers in bottles of milk. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> he made the local paper. <laughs> oh my god! I remember in um, during COVID, there's a there's like a local famous cider farm um, near us called Wilkie Cider, and like it was kind of around June June time. Um, the headline on the newspaper was. Richie's Wilkin Wilkin cider um, cures COVID, and it was literally like he was just this guy was saying how cider cures COVID, and you just like <laughs> could you would never get these headlines in national <laughs> newspaper, but it, that's what the whole point of the countryside, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's the best. But um, how how was your summer? Uh, mellow, mm. comparatively speaking. I mean, well. Actually, let, let me just rephrase that. Obviously, things started again, yeah, uh, and kicked off for us earlier than than everybody else. Yeah, um, I didn't do too many non-UK gigs, mm. and um, I guess by normal summer standards, really mellow. Yeah, by the standards of the year before, you know, because of COVID, it, it was um, fine. Nice to kind of start getting back out there. Yeah. But, Overall, my, my love affair with going to airports has diminished <laughs> by choice. Yeah. You know, the, the, like I went to America the, the other week, and yeah, man, wasn't I, I loved the gigs? It was mm. fun, but the, the threat on my like vitality, I'm just not up for it at all. You know, I want to feel healthy and clear-headed and calm. It's weird, isn't it? Because like the whole COVID thing is just a, made airports a. I know airports weren't necessarily the most enjoyable places in the first place, but it's just so unenjoyable to travel at all. <laughs> it, you know what? It was all right to have a couple of days off from the children because I'd not had a day off from them in 20 months <laughs> at all. And I love it. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm committed. Yeah. Super, super dada. It's ridiculous, actually, Com- you know, comparatively speaking. But um, it was nice to have have them have a minute really i bet they loved it having you around for that long yeah yeah it was great i mean you know uh i do 50 percent of everything no matter what yeah. regardless of you know that's my yeah yeah list of my jobs to do be a dadder everything else has to work around that ah oh, totally man that's what it's yeah. about that's what it's about i want to um i want to talk about the the first show back because you guys you guys are early you're premature for all of us you're kind of the the lab experiment. How did that all work? Well, it, it, it was well. I'm kind of trying to get a synopsis of the story. Yeah. Basically, I'm sure you you've seen that during the, the COVID crisis. I was like, okay, look, guys. I was just sitting down one day in, in the other room through there, thinking, what can I do to to get amongst this to mm. to help people to 
find out why we're being left behind, yeah. you know, as as an industry. Because I, I just didn't imagine in a million years that the government didn't recognise any yeah. of what we did, what we do, you know. I mean, look at your room, you're clearly a professional and they just don't get it. Yeah. So I started kind of like digging into my like local MP and then who put me in touch with the guys at Liverpool Council. Um, and we're just, just having discuss it, discussions and then um, because I was kicking up so much, so much dust, well, because then Liverpool got put, put into tier three, yeah, I or remember. tier four prematurely compared to the rest of the country, it was really, really disproportionately unfair. Mm. So because it was kicking up dust, for some reason, um, Prince William <laughs> wanted to kind of uh, find out what was going on in Liverpool yeah. uh, and why they were disproportionately treated. And he asked, OK, we need to speak to someone who, who is the man on the ground. Mm. And he asked to speak to me. No way. Which was kind of quite cool. It was just just in the other room. And I thought it was going to be a two-minute chat, but it was like a 45-minute conversation. And he, <laughs> the, the only kind of protocol, I thought he'd be like, you know, call on this, say that, or they sit up straight, you know. They, they said, just give it to him. Yeah. That's what it is. Don't worry about your P's and Q's. Just say how it is. Mm. So myself and this other business owner, Natalie, did, and he was great and he was really helpful. But it kind of moved the cogs along a little bit with through, with with the discussion, and then the plight to try and help uh, the industry got ignited by that, and then things moved along, and the voices became um, a bit more clear. Then MPs wanted to start talking, and then the 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 battle to kind of get our voices heard. Um, I, I I was very clear what I wanted to do at the beginning. I didn't want to kind of go on these protests and shouting and screaming and trying to kind of go against it. I wanted to learn their language mm. and get them to learn ours yeah. and go, look, guys, let's collaborate because without the collaboration, it's just going to be a fight. Um, so so that, <clears throat> that's what I did. But during simultaneously with, with, with all this, I was knocking on the door of Liverpool Council going, guys, surely... At some point, there's got to be an end game to this. Yeah. There's got to be a strategy. How do the uh, how does the industry get back back into position? We've got to have some sort of practice events, and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, maybe down the road we'll see what happens, and all those things. So I've been in touch myself, my business partner Richard, saying we're, we're ready. Um, if you want anything, you know, give us a shout. Simultaneously to that, Liverpool had. Um, the chief executive of Liverpool Council, a guy called Tony Reeves, who I was with the other day, funnily enough, mm. um, he bravely um, took the mantle to make Liverpool the first city in the UK to have mass mass testing. Yeah. And, you know, obviously when it was a bit of a dirty word, testing at, at, at those times, it was really risky. But the people of Liverpool, as always, stepped up and they the, the, the charge to kind of get tested was phenomenal. Mm. So... And that was rolled out nationwide because of what happened in Liverpool. So when the mass testing events, sorry, when the the, the test raves kind of or events came to um, fruition, because the, the R rate was below five hundred and one and five hundred, yeah, they were like, okay, Tony Reeves, who is the person in your city to do this? And they're like, we know, we know, because <laughs> it wasn't just because we'd be knocking on the door; it's because we had the team. And we had the warehouse and yeah. we had the infrastructure and we had access to the, the, the public, mm -hmm. if you like. So we got three weeks notice and said, do you want to do it? And, and me and Rich, my business partner, were like, yeah, man, let's, let's just give it a go. Yeah. 
assuming actually that, that there would be some sort of support, economic support, but there wasn't. So it's like, do you want to do it? Go you're on, man. You're on your own. Yeah, yeah. Which which was given like obviously we've been out of business for like 18 months at that point, or so maybe a bit more. As well, 14 months at that point it was really 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 risky yeah and also it was a real risk to reputation as well mm-hmm. because we didn't really know what we were getting into yeah. and, it, and and as the days passed getting closer and closer to the event it was becoming riskier and riskier mm-hmm. and riskier and the rule book was ripped up and changed every single day yeah leading to the event because just because of the covid conditions were changing and what one minute it was a, it was a pcr test to get in and i pushed back and said I've just been on literally on the national news yeah. saying it's a lateral flow test. Yeah, and now you're yeah. telling me it's a PCR test. No. So there's all, all these things, but myself, Richard, our production team, tech UK, Sam Newson, his guy, Mick, um, the, our health and safety guy is the top health and safety guy in the whole country. Mm. A guy called Eddie, who's a professor of health and safety in, in Lancaster university. Uh, Professor Ian Bookham, who is the, the the virologist, who's the top guy in the country pretty much, yeah. um, and a Liverpool council. We all collaborated on a daily basis to get this to happen. Amazing. And obviously the Ravers as well. You know, they, they took a part just as much as we did. And then we did it, and, all, and obviously all the DJs. And then we got to the day, and it was happening. And I, I just couldn't believe like, all that effort and the risk. And also the amount of... Sh- Dick and shit I was getting online. I was going to say, I, I, I was wondering how much shit or how much pushback you got from it. It was horrendous. Yeah. I, I mean, but you, you know, I'm talking 10,000 digs. Yeah. People, one person spray painting, giving me shit around Liverpool. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Saying that of, of, all, of all things that, you know, people are entitled to their opinion. And that's cool. Of course. Yeah. Just don't call me a Tory. <laughs> <laughs> do what you want anything else but anyway it was just funny but but the, the, this is how sensitive it was yeah really really sensitive for people because obviously the understanding of the reality of mass of testing and mm. lateral flow tests and all that now compared to like six months ago yeah it was night and day you know so there was a fair amount of pushbacks and also all, all these kind of like um what, what what are they called? Th- these groups of people that are ready and like uh, to to attack certain things that they disagree with. Yeah, yeah. There's like mass WhatsApp groups. It's like let's get him. Yeah. There's like thousands of people head, head towards these um, you know things that they disagree disagree with. So I was getting and circus wars and the and all the professors were all getting loads and loads of stick online. Mm, I can but, imagine. The thing that the, the event was so amazing, and the coverage you couldn't escape it worldwide for two days or three days. It was on every major news and radio station, everywhere. The events were absolutely amazing. The results from it were really positive and helped the rest of the UK open. Um, and it, it was magnificent, and there was no problems. Mm. Everyone was in an amazing mood. It was the best DJing experience of my life or anyone's lives that, that was in there over, yeah. over that weekend. It was incredible. And it was really positive. And then it got like 8 billion interactions. Jesus. So if you're getting 10, 12,000 people giving you shit, which is, and they are fully entitled to their opinion based upon what they, the, the viewpoints and that's totally cool. And I, I support it. 
Um, but it's a grain of sand on a beach. Totally. You know, and and it was... And also, it, it taught me a lot about politics. The last thing I want to do is be a politician. But you really can't please everybody. No, you have no. to just accept. Yeah. Some people are going to give you stick. And, you know, all, all you can stick on to is your intention. Mm. And your intention is, I'm trying to do the right thing to the to you know what's in my heart to, to kind of cause uh, to coin a bit of a like cliche yeah but, um so that's what we did and it was absolutely outstanding and it, it led to all sorts of opportunities for the rest of the uk and here we are well i think you're right because when it happened what what was it in april it was the 30th of april on yeah. the first of may so i remember when it happened and it was like it wasn't it was such an international thing um, in our industry, obviously, we are. It is an international industry what, what we're in, but DJs from like all around the world, like, and also DJs that aren't necessarily in house techno, et cetera, et cetera, genres. It was like everybody was like, "This is this is the first proper event, and it's it's a huge thing. It's a huge part of history now, if you know what yeah. I mean." And and it was amazing. But I guess the thing that I wanted to know more is like, what was it like? doing the events and then having to not do them again for like another couple of months and just kind of sit there? Or did you carry on doing events? Well, yeah, I, I guess because we've been given the nods that we were going to open originally June 21st. Yeah. We, were, we were just planning. Everybody was like, it was like full steam ahead. But then obviously that got put back again, frustratingly. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess... You know, I was literally off my head yeah. with it all. I was mentally stimulated, like you wouldn't believe, mm. for at least two weeks after, afterwards. It took me two weeks to kind of come down from all that. And not just yeah. me, all of us that were involved, um, you know, and all the circus crew, and Eve and Jay and Tom and everyone that works for us. It, it was really, um, it, was, it was magical yeah. on a like, biblical level. And you're right, it was historical. It was, and even when it was happening, everybody knew that this is this is significant. Yeah. So I was really, really proud of the whole team, and I, you know, I I don't give myself too much in the way of, of props for anything ever, uh, but the whole team collectively showed up. Yeah, you know, and then like I say, all the ravers did, and the people of Liverpool and the council and all the kind of test centers every single person was on was on point mm. and um it wasn't just circus it was it, collectively it's probably ten thousand people that were involved in yeah. that one way or another so it's yeah man, it, was, it, it, it was brilliant and but getting back into normality afterwards i mean what's, what's normal after that the, 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 the next thing we did in the same venue was at um a 2l row parties about, about two months later yeah which ended up being our last our last events at the at that particular venue how come how come the um, the venue stopped politics Do you want the diplomatic answer or the real answer no the real answer <laughs> Okay, the diplomatic answer then <laughs> is, <laughs> is Everton. Everton, we're always going to be into Bramley Moor Dock. Ah, okay. Are, uh, are you an Everton it. supporter? No, no definitely <laughs> not now. Uh, but the, 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 they were always bought the dock and they, they were going to get in there. And the original plan was for us to leave on January the 1st, mm. uh, but Everton needed to, to get in six months earlier. So it'd give okay. us 
short notice to to yeah. leave and find a new home. Is there anything like that else in Liverpool though? Because that venue is amazing. Well, just by chance, we've been looking for a new venue because we knew this was coming. Yeah, looking for a new venue for four years. Mm. And just by chance, we found somewhere that was literally across the road. Oh, amazing. Because I, me- I remember I played there probably about it probably about four years ago. For the MK party? Uh, for the MK party, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, I was talking yeah. to Rich and he was saying that, yeah, you guys are looking for a venue then. And that was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, well, just by chance, the, the new venue is across the road. Uh, it's basically the same, slightly better, maybe. Mm. Um and we've, we've done one, two, three or four parties there now. Oh, amazing. And, it, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're just figuring it all out. But yeah. overall, the, luckily we st- we managed to start our first party in Blackstone Street Warehouse. Happened to be happened to be Circus Birthday. Mm. Happened to be me and Carl Cox. Mm. So it was Not a bad party. <laughs> to start. Yeah, 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 exactly. So so that was okay. Cool. And we started with a bit of a bang. Yeah. And we're there now and it's... Um, it, it, it's epic. I mean, it's a proper operation. It's not yeah. like um, you just turn up to a club with you, your headphones or, you, you know, someone you, you hire the venue. Mm. It's it's like basically like a mini festival mm. in terms of the production and the health and the safety and yeah. uh, everything. It's it's really, really, you know, um, just like significant. And what, came, what came first, Circus, the label or Circus, the events? Oh, the events. The exactly. event started in, in uh, 2002. And the label starts about seven years later. Mm. How did the yeah. how did the event start? Were you was it you DJing uh, or was it something you just wanted to start? No, no. Well, well how circus started was <clears throat> I I was already touring around and I was in America. Yeah. Uh, I had a meeting with Cream because I, I was resident to Cream at the mm. time, and I was playing six hours in the mm. annex, which is like the the original room of Cream, and I was bringing people in like Onions and Joe Ski for the to the UK for the yeah. first time, and the One Would Do Project, the H Foundation, and Peace Division, and all stuff like that. And I was kind of making this room, and it was really kind of cool and interesting, and you know, for the heads really. But rammed going yeah. off on Liverpool fun. In the other room, it was getting so candy hard house mm. that it wasn't even kind of like trance anymore. It was becoming almost. Really, yeah like yeah. you know it was just like i didn't even know what it was anymore yeah. hard fun funny like hard house mm. i was like guys look you know we, we need to think about this somehow yeah. because i can't be doing that in one room and then the total opposite is is in the other room for the same ticket price why don't we start my own night um or or leave uh, and i'll just go off and you're like okay well you can start your own night because i've had a good following in liverpool and um, after after that conversation, I went off to on a day out to Miami, which means that like anything goes. Yeah, and we, we ended from one place and another place, and at Steve O from Jackass, and we, we, we just dicked around. and ended up in this uh, penthouse party, and I jumped on the decks, and all the kind of UK industry are there. Everyone's going nuts, and I'm absolutely rocking it in this penthouse. Everyone's going crazy. Circus, that's what I'll call it. <laughs> also, like everyone was like rolling around, being total, and it was just fun people having yeah. a great time, listening to good music. Um, so we went back and said to Cream, okay, we're gonna call the night circus and we're gonna start it with this person and all that. But then Cream closed, yeah, out the blue with no no warning. You know, they obviously had no warning either. Mm. So I spoke to my good friends, Richard McGuinness. And said, look, man, no, actually, he phoned me and said, Cream is closed. Do you want to start United Circus? And this other venue called, at the time, it was called The Mask. Yeah. 
Um, I said, yeah, man, let, 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 let's just do it. We put in 500 pounds each. And we just and we, we just started expecting 500, like a, 500 quid each for a night now is like you, you look back at that and you're like jesus christ how did we get away with that how did we get away with how? it yeah it's mental but it goes to show how it how the industry's changed right um because you could put on a wicked night for a grand yeah i guess but but, but we did you know, we, we got yeah. like four four hundred five hundred people in, in this amazing theater yeah and it was it was, a, it was really really a great gig and you know, everyone that was seeing me in the annex everybody just literally came mm. straight over and it, uh, it, it felt right yeah. because my ethos for everything is always the same it's great music people having a good time mm. and they're made to feel welcome yeah yeah you know they're made to feel part of the the community it's not like there's no awesome them I hate that shit mm. um, really they loathe it actually i want people to just feel like they can just relax and you know, have fun and be silly, listen to great music. You can have fun and listen to new music. It's not simultaneously. That's what we do it for, right? Like, yeah, yeah. that's what clubs are about is I've, I've said it. I'm like a broken record on this podcast. I've said it so many times. It's, it's about escapism for me. Is like yeah. we, clubs is about allowing everybody that goes to clubs to escape reality to a certain extent and kind of escape the the mundane nine to five jobs that a lot of people do and kind of escape all their issues that we all have, if you know what I mean. And I think when you go into a club and it's like a pretentious vibe and it's not relaxed, it's not fun. It's, it's not what you want. It's really not what you want. It's the total opposite yeah. of the, of the rave ethos. The ethos is what's your name? Yeah. What have you had? Where are you from? That's the phrase. Yeah pay so to speak and it's really important for me that people uh when they come to any circus events they, mm. they feel they can come on their own do you just and do do you just do big is it just big events now that you guys do or you do do you do smaller events in clubs and things like that no no we, we, we do we do a range all the yeah. way from kind of like 200 people up to kind of like four thousand. yeah in fact the one we were involved in at the pier head and on the waterfront a few weeks ago was twelve thousand. was that the camel fat boys yeah yeah yeah, yeah. How was that it looked well, amazing it was magical, yeah, you know. And I know they're my mates and all that, but I really felt like a proud dad. Yeah, <laughs> I really did because I'm, I've seen their journey from um, playing all the crappy clubs around Liverpool and working yeah. the way up and learning how to be like amazing DJs and then amazing producers and you know business aficionados and mm-hmm. worked so hard. It's yeah. the longest overnight success I've ever heard of. Yeah, because also you, also you look at their career before uh, yeah. Camel Fat and kind of seeing what Mike and David or what David and what they were both doing in in Liverpool, yeah. but also what Mike was doing production wise as well. And you're just like, it's a long old life. It's a long old the life. To get. Yeah, were, um, so, so for them to sell twelve or thirteen thousand tickets on, on on the waterfront on their own, it's a lot of know, tickets. It, a lot of tickets. It's, it's the biggest amount of tickets any electronic music act has sold solo in wow. the ball of all time. Wow, that's special. Did you play that show as well? Yeah. How was I had it? To, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. I was, I, like, I was, you know, there was a real kind of connection with the audience, mm. and, you know, everybody knew it was special. Yeah. You know, so the, 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 there's been so many amazing things this year, this year since, since obviously the first dance, the two days of that. Yeah. Then getting into Blackstone Warehouse with Coxie, which was incredible, mm. just about making that happen. Then the Pierhead thing. It's just been one thing after, after the other in the city. So it's been, and obviously Creamfield selling out and it's been brilliant. Yeah. How have you, how have you found the crowds? Obviously, like, because COVID 
took a lot of people out, right? Not as in actually, but like you had people that were raving before COVID and then changed COVID changed their lives and now they're not necessarily going out and things like that. But now you've got a huge young generation that the young a lot of the younger generation like have never been to clubs. So yeah. like at sixteen years old when COVID hit, they're now 18 years old going to raves. Did you find like any difference in the like crowds? Well, I guess it, on the first answer, it was really, really difficult. It, yeah. it wasn't kind of like typical. Mm, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. the enthusiasm was absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> people were going nuts like you wouldn't believe from the first beat. Mm. But I think that sustained itself for, you know, a couple of months yeah. and they, how crazy it was at El Rowe. And then the Coxie, the Coxie gig was just like phenomenal. Mm. Uh, I, I do think people's enthusiasm has dipped a little bit lately yeah. for, for a number of reasons. Not 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 just because I, th- I think they're overspent economically. Yeah, totally. They, they, so a lot of the tickets they bought like a year, 18 months ago or longer. Yeah. So they, they forget to come to the gigs. Because yeah. we, we have sold out gigs. Mm. I'd say it's X, you know, only like 65, 70% of the people show up. Yeah. Um, which is bizarre. But um yeah, I mean be, 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 and also like you say, there is a new generation of yeah. a part a portion of the audience just learning how to get you know accustomed to the rave. Yeah. It is it I played a uh, Mintfest uh for Patrick uh, a couple of, about a month ago. Um and yeah, it was it was very much like that. It felt it, everyone was loving it, but you're just also you could also get a sense where like people were just trying to work out how to fit in, yeah. Um, yeah. Then like maybe like hold back a little bit because they weren't too comfortable, not because of the area, just because they've never been to something like that. I think so too. I, you know, and in, the, in that position, what I've been doing, I did it on three three eight in London on Saturday. Mm. Um, maybe because I'm experienced or maybe confident when I'm DJing or whatever it is. But you almost have to give the audience permission to let rip. Totally. You know, so yeah, when you yeah. start kind of interacting with them and kind of, you know, do just whatever it is that feels natural, yeah. they tend to relax a bit yeah. a bit more. I found it, it's what happened at, at 338 on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can hear my uh <laughs> being picked up just there in the back. Or, or, the, or the beer bottles, it's fine. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I do like a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, but um, but but yeah, um, so I think it's our responsibility to make them totally. feel comfortable a little bit. You know, I, I think it's like- our responsibility to and like to entertain, which I think can kind of get lost sometimes in DJs. Um, it's we have to entertain the crowd. That's what we're being paid to do, and we have to make like I don't know about you, but for me, and I'm pretty sure you're similar, um, is that when we're playing a show, I have to make sure that everyone is talking about that event afterwards because they had the best time and you just got to do your thing. And yeah, yeah. and sometimes, sometimes you're on a, you're playing a set and it's just not going your way and you've got to pull some stuff out of the bag and, and work it. Um, you, you, you've got to dig deep. I, I find that in those moments, that's when you have to take chances, mm. not, not play the, not play the hits, play 100%. something that you really want to hear. Yeah. And they kind of like they feed from your your enthusiasm. It's a bit bit risky, I suppose, but um, that's that's what I did on Saturday. You know, I wasn't especially enjoying it for a while, mm. just because they had the, the old nine hundred mixer. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't sound good. And it's I terrible, most, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, I I don't. I want to get the most out of my set yeah, possible. Yeah. So I want to have I want to have the V ten or something yeah. that's that's analog and sound sounds great. 
Uh, so when your wings are clipped, it frustrates me. But at the same time, I always remind myself, you know, you do know you've been doing this over 20 years. Yeah. Sort it out. So, so I do. Yeah, no, nah, man, it's good. It's good. Um, the record label, how did that kind of come, come about? Frustration. Mm. Yeah, just sending music to people and not getting not getting responses back, yeah. which is hilarious thinking about it. The label's like 12 years later. And when I send music to people now, I still don't get responses back. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not as bad as some, but that, that is one bit of advice I, I, I give to kind of new, new producers or, you know, people trying to break through. Look, man, it doesn't matter who you are. Don't expect a response with on, on every demo. Yeah. One advice is get that thin as that skin grows thicker. Yeah. That's the job. <laughs> and just get used to it because no yeah. one ever fucking responds. Even your mates half the time, you're like, it's, we just get bombarded with so much music, don't we? That's it's just, sometimes you just can't actually take it all at all. Absolutely, but you know, with the label, you know, I I um, I wanted to kind of be able to kind of release music and not wait for other people, mm. um, uh, and then like learn how to run a label and kind of have an an, an additional attribute yeah. to you know to sustain the profile to be able to kind of keep on doing the gigs. Yeah. And as things progressed, I really started enjoying mm. learning how to run, run a label. And then I, I suddenly thought, oh, I'm not too bad at this. And I, I know what to do. And, you know, I've got, I've, I've got like a shape and a color of the music that, that I want to release. Yeah. Um, and it's not just kind of a four track EP of like, you know, DJ tools. Mm. Sometimes that's what I want to do because it makes sense. But, but generally, particularly over the last like few years, at least I want every record to be remembered in 20 years. Totally. I think it's a really nice kind of um, forte to kind of live by, right? Is that everything that you release isn't just kind of cannon fodder where you are just going to release it. There's so many record labels out there that just release music because the sake of releasing music yeah, um, yeah. just for catalog. Because there is a huge business in just having catalog. Mm. Um, but it, I think having records, I'd personally like with my label, I'm about to start releasing records from other people next year. And for me, it's just releasing, like, I'd rather not release like every month. I'd rather not release. I'd r rather just do like three or four releases just, yeah. but just make sure that every single release that you put out is just on another level. Absolutely. You know, and when I started, I, I aspire to be kind of like, you know, at profile levels of certain labels. Mm, and over totally. time, when you kind of like supersede them a little bit, always, always looking up, yeah. you know, really looking at my peers. And, and even though like defected in terms of the, the infrastructure, mm. not necessarily the musical output, even though everything they do is perfect for their audience. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's the best run label there is you know in terms of like the accounting and marketing and mm. the, the, the way they kind of get the most out of every single record and it's pushed on radio and you know yeah. it's the facilities they, they they run that's the that's the aspiration yeah but yeah. it's just me mm. <laughs> so that's the that's the constraint i have an assistant tommy does he helps me a little bit um so it's pretty it's pretty difficult but i think i've done all right considering you know, it's got a good rep good reputation. The music tends to be in a lot of people's record folders yeah. these days. And, you know, and a, there's a great range of artists, you know, for like Green Velvet, Carl Cox, you know, Kerry Chandler, Sasha, Lauren Garnier, people like that. Plus, 
I always try to support new names mm. as such, always. And, and everybody gets the same treatment. Um, and you know what? Sometimes it's the new names that kind of tend to yeah. have no success. So it's always worth just giving it a go. And like I say, I, I never look back on the label and think, oh, ever. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's a good tune, that. Yeah, you don't want to do that. I, I, I've done that countless of times with my music is just release something. And then like a few years later, I'm like, why the fuck did I release that? I'm having more being there. It's the worst, isn't it? It's the worst. Um, yeah, you've had some pretty, pretty big records on, on Circus. What's like... What's the one record that was like took Circus to where you were to where you are now? Um, and I, well, I know it's like a journey and I know things kind of grow and grow over the years, but I feel like there's moments in record labels' careers where it's like goes from one to another level. Yeah, well, definitely bigger than Prince. Yeah. So that's what that, you know, it, it, it made money um, that was enough to... Make the, make the label go from like a DJ label mm. to a record label. Yeah. And um, obviously it reignited Green Velvet's appeal yeah. to a whole new audience and then made Hot Sense 82 like essentially a household name. Yeah. And again, you know, th- that that was sex recordings like six or seven, eight years ago or something. So it wasn't anything like the label it is now in terms of its infrastructure. Yeah. So the fact that it, it did it, it did it with you know a novice really was fantastic um what else say something by nasa baker mm. crossed it's over a wicked record that yeah Such in, a, a in its own record. way and, and, that, and that was cool and then switched by jansen's yeah crossed over but 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 those two records i i upstreamed to like other labels okay um i did one to ireland and they gave us a big chunk of money which, yeah. which obviously we the first thing I did was give the artist half. Yeah. And then whatever was left over, uh, I reinvested into kind of pushing the label forward. Mm. Same with um, Switch. That went to Armada. Nice. Um, but the, the way I always organize the deals is, look, it stays on the on the DJ platforms like Beatport and yeah. TrackSource with us. And you guys can take it to radio if, if you wish. Mm. But it's good because it means we get a cash injection and then we can, um, you know, move forward or risk getting these little videos for the next track or, you know, maybe get a slightly better mastering or, or, or push, 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 push. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so, it's running, running it like a business, isn't it? At the end of the day. And it's, you have to invest back into it to, for it to grow. Yeah. 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 I mean, I like, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. I, I definitely think it's gets to the point now where I would probably, you could do with some support. Yeah, I think you know because I've got opportunities for people happy to kind of come on the label. Mm. Um, but yeah, my my mind is it's, it's got limited space. Well, I think that's the thing, isn't it? There comes a point where you can only do a certain amount, and that's that's in everything. That's in life. It's running events. It's doing the record label. Doing everything. You have your priorities. We all have our priorities in life, and sometimes it's like, well, I can't. I want to grow this, but I need somebody else that's actually better at this than me. Yeah, um, absolutely, cause... absolutely, and I, I think that I, th- I think that's where I'm at. I mean, it's a, it's in a strong position, and I've got label works who do all the kind of back end yeah, stuff now, and, and they they do a great job, and I've got like certain promo companies making sure it goes to radio, Spotify, and all those mm. things, and I do a lot of the A and R. But um, yeah, I do th- I, I do wonder where if it could be improved upon. But well, I, I think that with everything though. 
Yeah, totally. It's, it is about always improving, right? And just, I think for me, is like, oh, I, there's something about having, having an in-house team um, that kind of works on everything. So everyone kind of gets where you're all, where the goals are. Because I think sometimes when you, <coughs> when you have like an external team, um, the whole kind of vision can kind of get blurred. Um, yeah, yeah. when when you've got a internal team and kind of everyone's working towards the same goals they kind of it's because 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 the vision's spoken about so often it's just so easy to just like for everyone to get it um and then when you bring I, other I, people... I think so I, the one thing i mix up is is the is the marketing mm. of it though I, I i go from promo company to promo company yeah. depending on depending on the records um and I, th- I think that's what keeps it moving. Yeah. Because it's not just, you know, there's another one from Circus Recordings on your army or, you know, but it, it, it works, I, I guess. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, but- I, I'm interested about internal promo as well now um, because something that I've done with my records now is we have external promo, um, but a lot of it is just me mailing it out to people. Yeah. And I get so much more response from that than an in-flight or something like that. Absolutely. Um, and it, 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 I think, and it keeps it a bit more... Personal. Personal and special yeah. as such. It's not just like another DJ promo because, you know, I don't know about you, but I must get 100 a week. Yeah, exactly. And I get through about 10. I don't listen to any, if I'm honest. It sounds really, really bad. Um, I'd rather spend two hours on Beatport a week, really digging. Um, yeah. And then any emails from my friends. Um, but I don't know about you, but for my, my DJ sets is 85, 90% of my own music. I see. And then the rest is kind of what people have sent me or what I found. Um, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, mine's probably that with, with the label and yeah. like with DJ mates as well. Must well, nice. I have to say, not just um, your tunes are slamming. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> especially, especially late, you know, holy <laughs> shit. That, that hymn record. Yes. Yeah. It's been doing business. It's weird because it came out. I don't know about if you found this with the record label um, and your records, but there seems to be records that came out during lockdown because I didn't stop releasing music. I don't know what you guys did with the label, but I I, 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 I just made it more Spotify friendly. Yeah, same. Um, and what I'm finding now is records that kind of that got released during lockdown are now kind of showing their face again. I see. Um, it's really interesting. Um, how different releasing records are in COVID and outside of COVID. Because having DJs play your records, is it changes everything. Like yeah. you see Spotify numbers roll, rise up, um, Beatport. Like the hymn was, the hymn didn't do top 10 in Beatport, but it was at number 11 for about three weeks. It was just like there and people, it just keep, people just keep playing it. Um, which you, obviously you didn't get during, during COVID. So it would like do well for like a week and then, kind of just fall out because people were yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. bored of it um <clears throat> but yeah how how often are you releasing records yourself uh on the label it's what once every three weeks yeah. give or take um sometimes it's once every two weeks once sometimes once every month mm. uh, me personally six a year yeah. maybe one remix if nice. that it really depends but i've been never in a particular particular hurry you know mm. um but yeah, you know, I, I am running out of tunes though. I need to make a few more. Yeah, <laughs> it's been. I've not made anything for like two, two months, oh, three really? months. Yeah, and I used to do stuff like at least once a week. Was that just because you're so busy doing other stuff, or just not in the mood? 
it's a change in personal circumstance. Yeah. We say clean yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How did you find writing music during COVID? Um yeah, I, I did some all right stuff. I think you know, I did like Camels collab yeah. during COVID, and that, that that's done really well. I think uh, I did the Boy North remix, which which yeah, it's wicked. It went well. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's 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 been okay. I think it's just been the last couple of months. I've just not been up for it. Yeah, as such. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I've still made a couple. Yeah, that that, that, that were strong. There's this one called Wild Wild Style. I think I've done mm. this the singer. Um, She's really, really, it's really good. Another one found on, on Twitter, brilliant. Mm. And that's a strong record, actually. Played at Creamfields, and it's just like, yeah, straight away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so again, you know, I've got, I've, I've got a few things ready to go, but I, I'm not in the zone because I moved back to this, I'm my house and I'm doing it up and I'm doing all those things. So I'm in the zone and making my house feel like home mm. again yeah, and, all, yeah. and all those things. So um, once... I feel at home, then I'll start making tunes again. Yeah. Do you uh do you have a studio in your house or is it something you do externally? No, no, I've just really basic setup. Yeah. I mean, I've got keyboards and stuff and all that in the loft and I don't even aren't even plugged in. <laughs> but it's just literally my desktop MIDI keyboard and my two speakers now. It's amazing what you can do nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you don't need you know, anything. and I, I make music in a really weird way. Okay. So scrappy. <laughs> I mean, so I will literally sometimes just rifle through all sorts of old samples, and but then play some, something that's really melodic, yeah. and then maybe whip, whip out the MIDI from the sample and see what works. Then yeah. you know, there's no no technique. Really, I love that. Yeah. I I do some writing for some people, and I did uh, a session with someone uh, last week, uh, and they their projects are a fucking mess. <laughs> really, and they send me the project over, and I'm like. How do you work? Because I've got really bad OCD on like oh, really? on, my, on my projects. It's like everything has to be labeled. Everything like sometimes color coded, but I know exactly where everything is. And I'm like, how do you how do you live like this? It's like you're a psychopath. Just can't <laughs> deal with it. But I'm more like you. I like things to be organized because that that's how I, I operate. Yeah. But, um, yeah. In terms of like a skill set, I don't know how I've managed to make some kind of quite significant records because. Mm. I don't know. I, I maybe I'm not. Maybe I don't give myself credit where credit is due in terms of production. Yeah. But um, yeah, I feel sometimes like amateur. Yeah. Well, I, um, I get some good results. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll that room. Whatever, whatever works, right? Is that's yeah. the thing? Is that you don't have. To, that's the great thing about music is that you actually don't have to be musical. And maybe yeah. unless you're like a composer, like for film scores and things like that, like I think that's the only part in music where you actually have to be good at writing music and kind of understanding it. But especially in electronic music, you don't really have to be musical at all. You just need to know what well, sounds good. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm, and I'm okay. I can kind of figure my way around, around mm. things as such. <clears throat> but um, I think sometimes I, I try to make it too musical. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you, you kind of lose the lose the punch of it all, right. you know. But that was we'll me see. during lockdown. That was me during lockdown. It was like writing loads of like musical stuff, and I was like, "Well, hang on a minute, this just isn't going to work on a dance floor." But yeah. nice to listen to. But um, I don't know. I think what's your thoughts on like albums for artists nowadays? Well, I, I I've done four over yeah, the years, geez. and I, I did 
one three years ago, and it was more like kind of a more of a like cathartic process. Mm. It's a really personal album, yeah. and I mean, literally went down the full doing the album route, and every track had a story and all that. Mm. And it was a proper campaign and everything that went with it. <laughs> and it's <so> funny. <laughs> <laughs> No idea. I don't yeah. think so. I yeah. mean, it's not recouped. Yeah. Yeah, it's not recouped, uh, I don't think. Um, and it was nice to make some like kind of really satisfying tunes and I really pushed myself into different directions, mm. like songwriting and all that stuff. And it was cool. But I mean, I, I think if you're going to make an album, do it for yourself. Yeah. You know, that, that's it. Uh, you know, and then it's, it's something to kind of look back on as a moment in time. We're doing it as a, economic no definitely unless not. like a major record label says by the way can you do an album mm. here's a check you know i would think about it then and then there's money in the bank already and you yeah. can kind of make you can have the facility to kind of do what you want spread your wings a bit yeah uh, for me i'd love to, i'd i'd love to turn my like me into an album artist so it's like an album a year rather than like single like a single artist um yeah. there's something like I guess I always look up to like the chems and faithless and people like that yeah. kind of who I grow, grew up around listening to. And like, there was a certain excitement around the album that was about to be released, which I think it's still there with singles, but I just don't know if it's there as much because we live in like such a throwaway kind of music society where it's like, there's a new there's how many records come out on a friday every every week it's just like yeah, thousands absolutely. and I, I think there's it would be nice to build a bit more of a story around artists um, well i i think that it's all down to the to have an amazing music on the album mm. you know not just you know the chems and faithless and even to the camel fat guys yeah. in some respects banger after banger after banger yeah. really enormous significant records that yeah. all kind of like shape up in a festival environment mm. you know and that's if you're going to do an album for me as an electronic music producer you shouldn't be holding back no i agree yeah i agree it's tough but um yeah. well, i think that's the thing is album is very musical right generally um and it's a lot of us aren't necessarily musical people <laughs> it, well, Tom and Ed, especially musical, you know, from the Chems, and you know, great the, the sample thing, finders, great sample finders, and the, it, what they have is um, charisma yeah. in their music, mm. you know, they, they, and it's interesting and the sound and it's you know, and they, they make it from the first beat, like Daft Punk too, from the first bit to the last, it's just exciting, yeah, you know, and that's what it's all about, you know, rather than uh, yeah, it's just making people feel energized i think it's also converting that to a live show right because i think sometimes just a dj set from if somebody's playing their album is not as not as interesting whereas you go see the chems live or you see faithless or you even daft punk but when they were around like it was exciting yeah it was they did something it was, different it's also especially now that the, the the facilities we have in terms of yeah. visuals and lights and the show and all those things which are crazy expensive mm. but they you know it, it makes a difference it's like yeah. eric right when, yeah, yeah. when eric did the epic stuff and like he's had a phenomenal career like for years and years and years and i felt like they kind of got to a point where 
he hadn't released like anything massive like for for a while and then he came out with epic and you're just like okay he doesn't need to release anything like commercial or like a big club hit because this is what he's doing is just on another level yeah, yeah, um, yeah. have you had him for, we, for we had him do two days in a row the other day yeah how was it uh, at the new venue we um and it was it was incredible yeah i mean for, for that sound for what he does yeah you know he's the top of his game isn't he yeah he's the best. it was like you know like you say the sound the lights the visuals, everything about it. And it wasn't as Halo show. It was like, you know, a diet Halo show yeah. or, or something. But it was... And he's got a fan base. They mm. love his ass. Seriously. They really do. And he rocked it. Yeah. But again, he uses a 900 mixer. I was trying to tell him, <laughs> you didn't know you can get so much more out of, the, out of that sound system I've just hired. Yeah. But um, anyway, V10s all the way. V10s. <laughs> what, what do you think of the 3000s as well? Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, sound good. Love them. I love them. Yeah, yeah. Just getting get my head around them. I've, I've had a set to like eighteen months through there. I've yeah. never used them a couple of times, but uh, but yeah, They're get great. into it. How's the uh, what's the plans for the rest of the year? I know we don't have long left, but have you got anything anything on the on the diary? <sighs> Not nothing crazy. Other than we're doing a lot of kind of like circus events mm. in in Liverpool, which are. It, the way, the way we operate these days is we, we run it as circus and we run it as circus events. Yeah. Circus is me, Corolla, Jamie Jones, Coxy, mm. all stuff like that. But then we also do the circus events, which is like MK, Sonny Federa, yeah. um, like Eric Prids, and like their branded shows. We yeah, use yeah. the machine <clears throat> to do that, you know, other people's stuff. Totally. We, we do what we do, which is the traditional house and techno sound. Yeah. Um, and that's cool, and it's 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 opened up all sorts of opportunities, really. Massive, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're doing lots of them at the new venue. Mm-hmm. We've got Sonny Badera twice next weekend. He um, kills it in your in the UK in Europe, doesn't he? Crazy, like mad tickets. Mad, yeah. Fair play after to him. Bonkers. So we've got him, and then it's top in the week after, then MK the week after, and then we've got lots of stuff coming to like Corolla coming back this year, and Michael mm. uh, Baby and. Um, probably fuck it. I'll just tell you. We've got a massive drum code show coming to Sick. Liverpool. It's um, Liverpool debut for drum code, um, so that's coming. And yeah, we're just going on with that. And then obviously, then I'm touring, going back to America, gigs yeah. up and down the UK. When are you off to America again? Uh, Halloween weekend. Oh really? Where are you playing? Uh, New York, Brooklyn on Friday, mm-hmm. and then Denver on the Saturday, and then Vegas on the Sunday, Halloween. So play, just playing- like. Do, 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 do. You What's playing? For, are you playing for Brennan in Vegas in um, Denver? I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, yeah, option yeah. four. Yeah, legend. Yeah, it's me and Nicole Mudaba. So it'll be it'll be great. You know, yeah. I've, I've got loads of friends in, in Denver as well. Um, Hippie from H Foundation lives there as well, and so it'll be good. You know, and again, get back to America during it's it's a it's a hike. Yeah. It is. And, and it's good and it'll be fun and, and I know that weekend will be brilliant so I'm looking forward to it they actually. love Halloween um, over there I'm actually I actually go out that weekend as well oh really um, yeah yeah it's my f- and then I'm there for like a month again oh wow um, and then back out back here for Christmas well you know. <clears throat> this is the thing with me I go and I say well I'm away I've got three gigs I'll be away for three and a half days smash them out yeah because it's exhausting and like you know but 
that's that's the way you want to do it. Yeah, I, for me, it's like obviously I play out there more than I do in the UK and Europe. So I was like having having a home in or having a base in America is so okay. key for me. It's kind of like I have to. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I'd love to be back here more. To be fair, it would be it'd be fun. It's nice just to be. It's so different here, isn't it? Like, I, although we speak the same language, although we do a lot of the same things, and home's still home, isn't it? You never kind of stop that. Absolutely, and the the one thing that's over here is all the clubs are full of ravers yeah. for the most part. Mm. Whereas in America, they are sometimes, mm. and for the most part, they're full of people having a night out. Yeah. Whereas you know, in the UK, if you go to a club. People are there to have it. We party on another level in the UK yeah. compared to over there. Um, yeah. And I, I hadn't played in, well, I played Mintfest not so long ago, and that was the first show I'd played in the UK for like three and a half years, I think. It's a wow. long time. And uh, yeah, it was wild to see how much they get on it compared to they do in America. <laughs> yeah, it's <true. laughs> Especially up north. <laughs> You know well, they're yeah. just on another level. Cool, man. Dude, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much yeah. for coming on. Um, how can people follow you? How can people kind of get in touch with the record label and things like that? Yeah, I'm uh, Yousef Circus on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and if you want to send me a demo, no more than two on SoundCloud in my Instagram messages. Uh, and I'll, I'll get it at some point. Um, I, I, you know, that's myself. It takes ages. Don't send me ten tracks in one. I'm listen to the first two. That's the worst. Not, yeah, um, be nice. Be nice, and that's and I'll be helpful. You know, I I speak to people every day on Instagram, offering like advice and mentorship yeah. and a lot of this, like literally every day. So maybe I, sh I should do that eventually. Do it, <laughs> I'll man. Say. Do it. I just want to say apologies for having a block nose. No worries. Involved. No yeah, worries, I'm man. just I'm just back in this house. It's so dusty at the moment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've not been exercising this weekend. So Get back on it, mate. I did a horrible 45 minute on the step machine this morning, and mm. then and then a sauna, and I was like dying. But got got to keep fit, don't you? Oh man, you're absolutely funny. You got it. <laughs> I love getting up. I'm going to go for a run now. I've got to stay 10k kilo vest. Do it. I kick it on and I'm going to run 10 miles yeah. and rain, shine. I love it. It's the best Headphones on, techno. Best I don't I don't listen to music when I work out for some I've reason. Well, I, um, oh, you know, sometimes I listen to podcasts. Yeah, that's what I do. Before you know it, you've been running for an hour listening yeah. to this kind of... I'm listening to one at the moment about flight 149, which is the last flight to land in Ku Kuwait okay. before the, the uh, Iraq invasion. Okay. And flight and what happened, it's so bizarre that it's, it even happened in this way. So, What's that on? What podcast is that? Uh, it's, I, I go on Audible. Okay. Have, have a look. Send me the link, would you? Yeah. I've got like um, Operation Trojan Horse. Okay. Is all my th have, have you checked out... Uh, david goggins no does he have hey. one i i know who he is but does he have one on audible <laughs> he will no, make any say, man <laughs> listen to that and then go back and listen to you saying oh i've done 45 minutes on the step and i've had a sauna <laughs> after you listen to that you'll be like okay yeah it makes you feel like the worst person and the laziest person he's just a you machine know, you, you know every time i just see his face i go okay 
I in the summer I tried to do his um, four miles every four hours for twenty four oh, yeah, hours. Oh really? That was yeah, it. and I didn't do it. I ended up getting super injured, but my mates did it. It was fun. It was yeah, fun. Yeah. But I wanted to do that, but I couldn't. It's it's rough. Um, but I've got like a absolutely buggered knee, and he, like I know he would just go through it, but I'm not David Goggins. I'm like I, I'm, <laughs> I've got to walk. <laughs> <laughs> mate thank you so much for coming yeah, on um, keep in touch bro. see you soon keep safe bye keep mate and that's a wrap hope you enjoyed it uh keep safe please share it send it to everyone don't forget to hit subscribe see you next time with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.